Welcome to Totalus Rankium. This week, Theodore 2. Welcome to Roman Emperors Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine 11. And this is episode 158. Yes, 158. Theodore. De. Le de. Le de. Yeah, there we go. It's uh, the second Theodore. It is mm. the third of this dynasty. Um, uh, what else can I say about him? Don't know. Well, you'll be pleased to know a bizarre <laughs> amount. That's, oh, brilliant. Yes. Um, we, we suddenly get a stupid amount of sources. Well, no, no, that's not true. But we get a lot of detail in the sources we do have. Okay. Because uh, not only is George, who we came across last time, a little bit moody George, um, yeah. not only did he know Theodore personally, but Theodore's writings um, survived as well. Oh. I, I'm, I'm really hoping for really benign, inane detail. Yes, like how, how many sheets of toilet paper he used. It, it's not it's not far off that. We do have Excellent. some just just pointless detail, don't worry. Brilliant. Okay, so um well let's jump in, shall we? Last time we covered the very successful John three. He got Genesis, huh? He did, um, yeah. Just we like debated his, it. Yeah, but just like his father before him. Yeah. Um there you go. Uh, so it's a good dynasty so far. Editing well here. Um somebody. Uh, couldn't say who, forgot to press record on the main microphone. So um, uh, we realised at this point, and I'm just popping on to explain the very sudden change in sound. Uh, just hide the edit. Anyway, back to the episode. Think things are starting to look good, but as we covered, John died just before he could realise his dream of putting yeah. the Empire back together. So that task passes on to his son, Theodore II. Yeah, because at this point, we've they're, they're recapturing land... Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's very gracious to call it an empire, but it's 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 more it's, landy. It's smaller than what we're used to. Yeah, yeah, um, but size isn't everything, and um, that's what I keep saying. Yeah, and uh, it's it's getting better. They now have land in Anatolia. They've got most of. Um, most of the Balkans back. They've not got the capital yet, and that's kind of the thing they need. They need the capital, but there's no one else out there, really, who's likely to be able to do this. The Nicene Empire is definitely on track to restore the Roman Empire, certainly. Uh, now, Theodore was born to John III and Irene at roughly the same time that Irene's father, uh, the Emperor Theodore I, died. Yeah. <gasps> Do you think it's reincarnation? I, I can only assume so, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. So all the events that happened in the last episode play out during Theodore II's whole life. Hmm. So you think at this point I'd just be, just tell you some small little snippets and then get to the point where he's emperor, yeah? That's why you expect at this point. Yeah. yeah, usually, because we don't have many details. We've already covered the, the details of the wider story. So let's just uh, skip up. Oh, no, 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 no. We've got lots of details about his childhood, bizarrely. Um, yeah. So it wasn't long after Theodore was born that his mother, Irene, fell off a horse. Oh. 
Yeah. Uh, That hurts. Oh, it really did hurt her. She injured herself quite badly and had no children afterwards. So either a coincidence or possibly more likely uh, the injury was so bad that she wasn't able to have children after this. Uh, This means Theodore was an only child and a royal only child at that. So... Um, so yeah. that, that's all your inheritance there, isn't it? So it's all yeah. mine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've seen what uh, happens to royal children. They tend to become a bit unhinged and it goes to yeah. their heads. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with Theodore. Um, now, like I say, uh, in a very rare occurrence, we actually get his own words describing his childhood. Yes. Um he says that he often received great comfort from his father as an early uh, as a young child, um, and apparently he, uh, he described his childhood as a typical childhood for royalty. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, for royalty, not typical yeah. for anyone yeah. else. Yeah, he was raised in the women's quarters of uh, the royal palace in Nicaea. So there you go. Nice. Yeah, uh, our main source, George Agrippolites. Uh, that sounds like a dance it's like Acro and Pilates that sounds like yes that. yeah uh, I'm just calling him George because it's easier to say uh, yeah our main source George who we came across last time he's not got as much to say about Theodore's youth uh, he, he, he gives the detail later uh, but he does say this about his youth and I'll quote he had a charming manner towards all he had a gentle behaviour with his companions and a cheerful discourse with all he met oh that sounds nice. But oh, oh hang on, sorry, there's there's some oh. brackets. There's some brackets here. Uh, it says, all of which was a false and hypocritical mask. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, biting. Gosh. Ooh. Yeah, as you'll see, George George doesn't like Theodore. No. <laughs> really. You'll see why later he really doesn't like Theodore. But everyone else did, apparently, as he okay. when he was a child. Yeah. Right. Do you want to predict why? Why do you think George doesn't like him? I think I, I think Theodore may have done something or made moves on George's wife, something like that. Ooh, interesting, interesting. Um okay. Well, young age. Yeah, or daughter well, or something. So you know, in I, I think oh, they're, they're roughly the same ages ages each other. Uh, George is only a couple of years older than Theodore. Oh yeah, totally then. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Right, well, we'll come back to that. So, Theodore's learning as a child included memorising extracts of the Bible, very important. Um, He also studied poetry, logic, rhetoric, grammar, mathematics, the the usual stuff that we've covered. He also, interestingly though, read Aesop's fables. Oh, that's a British thing. Aesop? No, he was... I'm I'm getting mixed with a Canterbury tale, sorry. (laughs) Different bunch of tales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jesus um, mix them up. It is very, very easy. <laughs> it does. Um, yeah, uh, Aesop's fables. So, like the, the mouse and the, the lion and mm. the, the tortoise and the hare. That's the one I'm trying to remember. Yeah. That's the famous how, one. Yeah, how the tortoise got his hair, that thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, he just waited till puberty. It was fine. If you want to know more about Aesop's fables, obviously go and listen uh, to Grim Reading's patreon only podcast where they go through all the Aesop's fables uh, and yeah you can just see how bizarre they are Uh, but yeah Theodore (laughs) Theodore too loved a bit of Aesop apparently so there you go Uh, and while Theodore was being educated 
Uh, like I say, all the events of the last episode is taking place. So his father defeated his great uncles in the short civil war. He then fights Theodukas, if you remember, until the Bulgars mm-hmm. then kill Theodukas. And then John Three goes, oh, brilliant. Thank you, Bulgars. Do you want to make an alliance? Yes, please. Uh, yeah, let's uh, work together and finally kick out these Latins from Constantinople, shall we? So all that's going on. But Theodore, obviously, very young. He's not actually getting involved in this time. He's progressing with his education. Uh, however, there's a problem. He did not get on with his new teacher. Sir George? No. Oh, no. Okay. No, nice but twist, not, not but far no. off. Guess how we know he doesn't. He didn't get on with his teacher. Was his end of year report? Oh, that would have been amazing, uh, but but no. Uh, like like I say, we've actually still got some of Theodore's writings. Oh, yeah, um, and uh, quite a few of his writings survived. But the earliest work of his that we do have is called Satire of the Tutor. <laughs> he, he sat down and he essentially wrote a book about how awful his teacher was. And that's, that's the first thing he wrote. Nice. Yeah. Now, Theodore doesn't name his teacher, but he does describe the teacher in detail. It's very obvious who he's talking about. Uh, apparently the teacher wore a tall red woolen hat that made him look like a cross between, and I quote, a crocodile and a mouse. <laughs> I'd be such a natural combination. Yeah. It's just, I'm trying to imagine a mouse slash crocodile wearing a tall woolen, woolen hat, but... Um, I can't, but there you go. Uh, Apparently this hat, by the way, uh, shows us how respected the teacher was in the court because these style of hats were signifiers that he was in the middle to upper class of the world court. So had favour of the emperor. So he had to wear a big woolen woolen bubble hat. Yeah, yeah, to show that he was the bee's knees. Wow, fashions have changed. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Theodore goes on to describe his teacher, and I'll quote her, as voiceless as a fish... Shameless as a dog, bad-tempered as a camel, nimble <laughs> as an elephant, musical as a pack donkey, sociable as a bear, and dignified as a boar. Harsh words. Yeah. But fantastic use of simile, so he's obviously a, a true, decent teacher. True, yeah. Um, you get a sense of what Theodore was like as a student. <laughs> Yeah, stuck-up, presumptuous little git. Yeah, it's like, I don't like you, teacher, so I'm going to sit down and write about how awful you are, and there is nothing you can do about it. He further accused his teacher of never having read a book on rhetoric in his life. So Rhetor what? <laughs> um, uh, now, in actuality, this teacher wouldn't have been teaching everything. He would have been the head tutor in charge of selecting other teachers to educate the prince. But basically... Oh. He was the man in charge of the prince's education, and yeah. uh, Theodore really grew to resent this head tutor. Eventually, understandably, this tutor just gets fed up and goes to Theodore's dad, the Emperor John, and says, Your son is a pain in the bottom. Yeah. Seriously, sort him out. However, John dismisses this. Much to Theodore's relief. Yeah, pretty much. Theodore later uh, writes about how uh, he was pleased that his father took his side. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you would be. (laughs) Now, speaking as a teacher, you've been in parents' evenings when you're telling a parent that their child is perhaps not committing themselves perhaps as much as they could be to lessons. Yes. 
but not in so many words. And uh, and then that that parent turns around and just completely denies that that's happening. You know how frustrating that is as, mm. as a teacher. Yeah. They're I not feel... like that at home. <laughs> I really feel for this tutor having to uh, teach this stuck-up child, but there you go. Yeah. However, that's something to distract Theodore from his awful, awful studies, because he's due to be married. Hooray! Oh, brilliant. Yes, as part of his father's alliance with the Bulgars, Theodore was told he was going to wed the Bulgar princess Alina. Ooh, I've heard good things about her. Yeah. So, the negotiations of this marriage had actually begun a few years before, when Theodore was about eight years old. Uh, But when he's about ten, and Elena is eight, the engagements were finally formalised. His father then organised a siege of Constantinople... Because why not? And then the Bulgars organised coming over to the Eastern Orthodox Church. So this alliance is working. And this wedding is something that is really keeping this alliance together. Mutually beneficial. Yes. And then in 1235, at the ages of 13 and 11, the two wed. Wow. That's young. Obviously, a very political wedding. And the alliance between their people was sealed. However, Mm. I'll forgive you for forgetting, but if you do remember... Uh, this alliance was threatened very early on. You're shaking your head. Uh, you might you might remember, as I remind you, either the Bulgar Tsar at the time got cold feet over this alliance and asked whether his daughter could go and visit him. I just, just want my daughter to come and visit me, if that's okay. Now, right. John said, okay, and Elena was sent, but holding a note essentially saying, We want her back, by the way. If you break this alliance, it will go bad for all of you, and God is watching. (laughs) But as we saw, Ivan ignored this note and broke the alliance and took his daughter back. I imagine Theodore was probably feeling a bit miffed. Maybe Elena as well. Yeah, possibly Elena. Who knows, though? Maybe relieved, because they're young (laughs) and they've... Boys are horrible and, and girls are annoying. So yeah. so who knows? Uh, but as we uh, covered last episode, Ivan then suffered several personal deaths close to him. One of his children died and his favourite priest died. Revenge from God. Well, yeah, he thought it was revenge from God. So he, he went back to John and said, I'm really sorry. Can we have our alliance back? I'll give you Elena back. So No, no, let me alone. <laughs> the alliance was back on. It was shaky, but it was back on. And Theodore had his wife back. And suddenly all those people that died came back to life. Hooray. Uh, but they were zombies, so they had to remove the head and attack the brain. Yeah. It was a Brains. shame. It was quite traumatic for all involved. Yeah. yeah. Especially got the uh, exponential spread as well. Yes, exactly. It was it was quite bad. Elena goes back. Hopefully Theodore and Elena are happy about being reunited. And in fact, I could probably say that they are. Because, yes, that's right, we get details. Ooh. And I'm sure you will be very pleased to learn that we can use a primary source to gauge the young couple's relationship. Because the two grew up together and fell in love. Theodore wrote that his marriage was, and I quote, a bond of incomparable love that made them both happier than all the people. And that Elena was, and I quote, the flower 
of my love and the springtime oh. of my soul. So in her diary, does it say, he's an idiot, I want a divorce kind of thing? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> this was when Theodore was writing a lot of poetry uh, when he was a teenager and he hadn't, he wasn't paying attention to his studies. He keeps yeah. speaking in metaphor, I hate it. <laughs> I don't know what it means. But yeah, so there you go. They grow up together um, oh. and they fall, they fall in love and they're very happy. How nice. And usually Shockingly we've just got to well. hope. Uh, and speculate but no no apparently as long as we can trust theodore of course uh but yeah there you go anyway theodore unfortunately is still studying oh he's hating it we know from his later writings what he studied (laughs) around this time and interestingly what really caught his attention was the ancient roman world i guess it would have been ancient for them oh yeah yeah it would have been over a thousand years ago wouldn't it same difference between us and alfred the great at this point Wow. Yeah. Rather than looking at the uh, the birth of the Christian Roman Empire with, say, Constantine, or looking at its early heroes, such as Justinian, Theodore II looked to the emperors of old for inspiration. <gasps> he held the like... Nero, Caracalla, <laughs> Domitian. Oh. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, not just the emperors, so you've got some Republic-era people, people like Brutus, uh, not even Romans, people mm. like ha- uh, Hannibal, Cato, oh, we've got Pompey, uh, Nero, uh, Hadrian, Marcus Aurelius. These are all no. people he held up as uh, examples of good statesmen. So it goes to Nero. show Nero, well, he hadn't gained this he's a mad emperor reputation at this time. Uh, he, remember, mm. actually did some good stuff. He uh, did. He helped the he burning also, citizens. Yeah, he also he played was the water a, organ. He was a bit crazy and a bit up himself. He, he also was, was very nasty to the Christians. Uh, but interestingly, Theodore wasn't too bothered by that. Although obviously no. very devoutly Christian himself. Uh, but yeah. Well, um, I guess it's like in, like we're a historian. You look at things in the past. And go, that's interesting. I don't agree with it, but it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you get get the sense that he found this far more interesting than looking at Christian Roman emperors. Yeah. He also uh, held up Trajan as being one of the best emperors of all. So you get the idea he liked. Not according them. to our list. Well, no, uh, to be fair, Trajan He's came high, pretty yeah. high up. He just he didn't. It's not win. the best though. And also uh, Caesar. Uh, now, it's interesting, when I was reading this list, uh, he, he wrote Caesar, it's like, did he mean Julius Caesar? Or did he mean Augustus Caesar? Because only one of them is mentioned. But then, he also lists Gaius, but Gaius is probably a reference to Caligula, because he was known as Gaius. Right. So, yeah, it's interesting that he leaves one of the Caesars off, or maybe Caesar was meant to be both of them, but he puts Caesar up there with Trajan, whether it was Augustus or Julius. See, I'm still convinced Julius is an emperor. <laughs> well, he, he was for all intensive purposes. Well, if it is Julius Caesar, he describes Caesar as being the founder of the monarchy. And you can argue Julius Caesar was the founder of the monarchy, but you can obviously also argue Augustus was. They both kind of were yeah. different. Yeah. Different degrees. Uh, so anyway, I just found it really interesting that Theodore loved his uh, early Roman history and probably, I'm going. I'm, I'm just going to say it, definitely mm. would have been a fan of our podcast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We probably would have got him in for a special. He would have, <gasps> yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. So Theodore too. what do you think? Yeah. So I can't understand you speaking a language we have no comprehension of. Yes, and please stop screaming. Uh, I know it's very, <laughs> I know it's very scary. 
I know there are lights coming out of weird flat things all over the place, and, but it's fine. It's fine. No, you don't stop, understand. Stop hitting the screen. Stop hitting. Oh, oh, oh he's dear. The screen. Oh, oh, he's electrocuted him. Oh, he's dead. He is. No. He's dead. So when he didn't find inspiration from the ancient rulers, he found it in the Old Testament. Good old Old Testament. The uh, the slightly more hardcore of the testaments. Um, <laughs> yeah, brutal. Oh yeah, uh, he spent much of his time just learning passages from from the book, the good book. And by this time, he was, according to himself, doing very well with his studies, but driving his tutor mad because he was not studying at the right level. He'd often skip to the more advanced stuff that actually interested him, rather than learning the boring stuff he was supposed to be learning. Well, that's the way you should learn. So learn more interesting. Either Theodore was very bright and being held back by his tutor, so that's why he was messing about and hated studies, or Theodore had an overinflated opinion of himself and just refused to do what his tutor knew was best. We don't know. Yeah. It, it could be one or two. Uh, but let, let's be generous and say that um, maybe, maybe he was just being held back a bit and he was getting frustrated. It's also around this time that he met our main source. This is where George comes to court. Uh, yeah, George is a couple of years older. He's coming to the court. His family, not like stupidly rich and important, but important enough to be in the royal court. Part of the nobility. And you get the feeling they didn't get on. But maybe they did at this point. But uh, George certainly ends up really disliking Theodore. As, as again, we will see. This tension is killing me. Are you still thinking that it's uh, an affair? Is that what you're thinking? Well, I don't know, because they're like, oh, I love my wife. However, that's not always a, an indicate, you know, that's not always a, no, that's true. a barrier, that's true. is it? Yeah, well, we'll see. But don't worry, if you're worried that Theodore's not made any friends, that's not true. He has made some friends at this time. We're not sure exactly when, but at some point during his education, he becomes really close friends, bezzy mates, you could say, uh, with a boy called George Mausolon. Another George. Wonderful. Yeah, but I'm going to call him Mausolon. Yeah. Thank you. So, <laughs> Mausolon, you'll be shocked to learn, was from a low-born family. Low-born. Yes, not part of the nobility. In fact, his family, because he had a few brothers as well, uh, his family just worked in the palace. They weren't there as part of the court. They were just workers. And it would further appear, although it's not entirely clear, that Mausolon was actually a page who was educated alongside the emperor's son, just so Theodore had some classmates. Yeah. Which I believe um, Henry VIII, if I remember correctly, had someone that was just educated alongside him, just so he had someone. If it's not Henry VIII, it was his son. It's definitely one of the Tudors. I'm just vaguely remembering a Rex Factor episode. I, I, know we, I know we had a really good friend. Oh, he's in the Tudors. What's his name? He play, uh, uh, Superman. He's Superman. <laughs> he's he really good Superman. friend. <laughs> Superman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, right. <laughs> let's, let's just stop half remembering things and get back to things I do know, shall we? Um, yeah, so Mazelon is there. He's being educated alongside Theodore. They become really good friends. Um, and in fact, in his late teens, Theodore starts to make some observations about the nobility around him and how it relates to uh, his friendship with Mausoleum. I'll quote him here. Nobility is not measured in blood, but way of virtue, simplicity of conduct, and purification of purpose. So in, in other case, words... very noble, then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, in other words, it's like, why, why have all these toffs uh, hanging around the place looking down on my good friend Mausoleum? They think they're so good, but they're all really annoying, and yet my friends really is really cool. So, that's, screw that's you a good guys. Statement. That, yeah. That's a 
that show that, that that's quite almost almost groundbreaking at the time. Yeah, yeah. If it's, you're rich and powerful, you're the, you're the elite. Yeah, he certainly wouldn't have impressed many people in the World Cup with this no. attitude. But no, Theodore, he's going to hang around with his low-born friend and damn the consequences. He didn't care. Mm. He's a prince, damn it. So he's oh, yeah. approaching 20 at this point, and then quite a lot happens. His mother, Irene, dies, oh. which must have been very sad. Was there another um, horse? Probably another horse, yeah. Oh. Uh, his father, not one to waste an opportunity, um, decided to remarry for political reasons as soon as possible. Because uh, John was very focused on being an emperor that was succeeding. So it's okay, let's use this as an opportunity. And also, Theodore is now old enough to go on campaigns with his father, just to learn the ropes. <laughs> Here, son, here are the ropes. <laughs> yeah. Get out of the knots. <laughs> so, um, yeah. There you go. He's, he's on campaign. He's learning those ropes. But then something happened that took his mind off his military experience. His teacher fell ill. Ah, time for another poem. <laughs> well, Theodore was sent for to go and give his last respects. It's like your head tutor, who you've known for years, is ill. You must go and pay your respects. So he set off, raced back to the city. But alas, he was not in time. Ah. When he arrived, his tutor was dead. The tutor oh. who he had despised for years. And it would appear that when his tutor died, Theodore realised something. What? <laughs> that he was really happy. <laughs> That's what he realised. Yeah. He was overjoyed. Uh, obviously, he had to appear otherwise in public, but I'll quote him here. Exultation rose in my soul. After shedding a few tears in public... Uh, and saying a word of sorrow with the tip of my lips, I walked away with great joy. <laughs> it's so rare we get the actual words of an emperor. And the fact that the words we get from this guy is mostly about how much he hates his teacher. Yeah. <laughs> it's just he brilliant. really haunts that, didn't he? Yeah. It really... That's a massive chip. Yeah. Danced on the grave, he did. Peed up his stone. <laughs> Soon after this, his father's plan to siege Constantinople once more took place, and Theodore was present for this one, but we don't get any details. I mean, it's not important, like, how much he hated his tutor, so no details here. We know that the siege failed, and a two-year peace deal was made with Baldwin II, who was currently in charge in Constantinople. Nice. Yeah. Soon after this, however, news comes through. The Tsar of the Bulgars, so this is Theodore's father-in-law, remember, has died. Oh, oh. Oh, yeah. Ooh. That's that's the daddy of uh, Elena. Elena. Yeah, so yeah. I'm guessing she was upset. Um, but now Elena's brother is in power, and he's not really old enough to be able to do anything. So John uses this to his advantage, as we saw last episode. He took yeah. troops over to the Balkans, and he tried to get the land back that they had lost in recent years. So the 20-year-old Theodore was left behind this time. He's already got his military experience. Now mm -hmm. you can have some experience of running things from home. You're in charge, Theodore, whilst I go and fight some battles, said his father. So there you go. Theodore's in charge of the Asian province, getting some more experience. Word soon came to Theodore. The Mongols are coming. Mongols? The Mongols are coming. Ooh, I've heard mm. of them. Yes, uh, if you remember last episode, this is uh, the grandson of Genghis Khan. 
Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So fortunately, not Genghis himself, but yeah. <laughs> Thank uh, God. The, the grandson had arrived in the region, raiding into the caliphate um, and also over the Black Sea into Hungary. Uh, it was all very worrying. The Bulgars started to pay a tribute to the Golden Horde. Um, and if the Mongols happened to look their way, there was nothing the Romans were going to be able to do, and they realised this. These Mongols were <laughs> terrifying. They were ripping through everyone they looked at. It's like, right, a message to all the Roman towns. It's right, everyone duck, just stay low, stay <laughs> yes. quiet. If I remember correctly, we theorised last episode that they decided that the best tactic with the Mongols is like a bully and just ignore them. Just ignore yeah. them. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And in a stroke of luck, the Mongol leader, uh, this is the son of Genghis, who's like back home, died. So the Golden Horde heads back to deal with the political fallout. Um, however... Celebrations were cut short because news soon came through that there was a second horde nearby. The Mongols didn't operate in one unit, obviously. No. Yeah, so, um, yeah, there's another horde nearby and they're coming. So, oh dear. So Theodore heard of this and immediately sent word to his father, who was sieging Thessalonica at this time. And again, we saw this last time, John decides on a risky strategy, which is tell no one and hope the Mongols don't turn up. Because there's nothing we can do if they do turn up and we're about to win this siege. So let's carry on sieging and just really, really cross our fingers. Yeah, really, really, really. And it pays off. The Mongols destroyed the Sultanate of Rom and Trebizond. So their two nearest neighbours get decimated. Uh, But the Mongols then turn around and just stop. Now, we know that the Mongols really instilled fear in the Romans at this time because Theodore writes about the Mongols and reports on the rumours that were going around, the Mongols weren't even human. They were actually dog-headed men who were cannibals. I think that might be slight exaggeration. I think so. I'm also slightly confused. If you're a dog-headed man who's a cannibal, does that mean they are only eating other dog-headed men? Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah, so so you're safe. If a dog-headed man comes in and says, I'm a cannibal, you go, sorry, I don't have any dog-headed men here. But only oh. yeah, but they might only only eat dog-headed men. Yeah, exactly. They can still and kill I'm... you. They can still kill you though. But when you oh, they could. Oh, that's a good point. And the dog-headed man would then explain that to me, and I go, oh, 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 damn. Oh, I'm really annoyed now. Really yeah, annoyed. I, I thought I was safe. I was acting all smug. I had my Fine. feet up on the desk. I was that confident, and now oh, you're just <laughs> gonna stab me, aren't you? But you're not gonna eat me afterwards. So, so, so... oh, oh, you are because just because you're a cannibal doesn't mean you don't eat other things. Oh, I really hadn't thought my <laughs> argument through, had I? Oh, damn it. It's a good job I've not met any of these dog-headed men. Anyway, <laughs> the, the Romans were, were terrified. Uh, but it's yeah. not all doom and gloom, because by this time, Theodore and Elena were old enough to start, um, how shall I put this, having frank discussions about, <laughs> about their future and having a family. Now, were these uh, short, sharp conversations or long, drawn-out conversations? I think that's oh, what I, our listeners need to know. I, I don't... I can't tell you. I, uh, Theodore writes many things, but unfortunately he doesn't write about that, at least as far as I'm aware. But uh, multiple can certainly be used, because over the next decade they have six children. That's a lot of conversation. Yeah, five girls followed by one boy. Yeah, that's uh, all. Yeah, in uh, 1250, this boy was called John Four. Already? Well, obviously not, but yeah, <laughs> just so you know, uh, this John is coming back. Anyway. This is uh, quite a dynasty. The dynasty's carrying on. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, John Four uh, spoilers is the last in this dynasty. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the dynasty is doing all right so far. Two Genesis Rs. Yeah. Out of two, and who knows? Maybe third? Theodore will get a third here. Maybe his son will get a fourth. Who knows? Anyway, so he's got he's getting his children. Also, Theodore is operating as full co-emperor at this point. So he's he's the junior emperor, but he's he's the co-emperor. Uh, right. We're not going to count this in his rule as his rule because his father's in charge. But just know he's giving out land to people. He's making judgments without his father's input and on his behalf. So yeah, he's really grown into his role as an emperor. Uh, generally, things seem to be really quite good uh, for Theodore and his family. He's approaching thirty. He's got his children. He had a wife that he loved. Um, his father was making great advantages in the West, and it really starts to look like it's only a matter of time before the old Roman Empire is put back together with Constantinople as its capital once more. Any day now. However. <laughs> okay, let me guess. Either virus or Mongols coming back again, or was it... Oh, Bulgars. Uh, no, no, you were kind of right in the first one. Uh, someone dies. Okay. Have a guess who. George? Uh, no, no. Oh, no, Theodore. No, no, it's not that short of an episode. Uh, oh, his no. wife, Elena, Elena suddenly no. dies. We we don't know um, what from. Maybe it was childbirth. Uh, always risky. Maybe oh, an yeah. accident. Maybe illness. Death was common back then. Horse. Um, maybe it was that damn horse that came back. <laughs> killed his mother. Just stalking killed the his family. Wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just got a vendetta against Theodore. Yeah. Go on, ride me. Yeah. Like he's not going to kill Theodore until last. That's what he yeah, keeps telling yeah. Theodore yeah. every time he meets him. Ah, oh, spoiler thing of the episode. Oh. <laughs> I will take everything from you first. Um, yeah, <laughs> from from what we can tell, Theodore was utterly devastated by this. Apparently, he only wore black. He refused to join in feasts, and he he mourned uh, well beyond the customary forty days. Uh, in fact, he shut himself away for a full year. And just dedicated wow. himself to his writings at this point. So he's so got he, emo. Well, yeah, yeah. He go, turns into a full recluse. Wow. Yeah. Utterly devastated. In an attempt to find something in his life he could enjoy, he starts to publish his writings, which is why we have them. It's at this point. He, he publishes them, has them copied, and they're sent out. So if Elena hadn't died, we probably wouldn't have got all this detail. Uh, I'd like to think that Elena died and he was devastated, went into his room, pulled out a quill to pour his heart and soul out onto the parchment and wrote, Reasons why I hate my tutor. Number one. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, things things are not good for Theodore. And then his father suddenly became ill. If you remember, uh, John suddenly is paralysed. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for several months is just unable to do anything. Uh, Oh, yesterday I saw, just popped into my head, so I didn't get their name. You know who you are. Thank you very much. Someone wrote in to um, say that this possibly could be botulism because it would explain the uh, symptoms. Ooh. Yeah, which uh, it was. See, I've heard of botulism. Yeah, but uh, apparently it, it would explain the symptoms. Um, I should say that uh, epilepsy is often considered uh, the reason why he died, but also cancer is also suggested. But we we simply don't know. But we do know that John is in a very bad way. Uh, he survives for a few months, but uh, during this time, obviously Theodore is running the show, and then his father dies for realsies, and uh, <laughs> Theodore is now. The Emperor. Ah. 
Congratulations, so. Theodore, and commiserations. Yeah, exactly. It's a bit of a, a nasty double blow, is his wife and his father dying, and then yeah. now it's got to be emperor. I guess it was after a year. I mean, that doesn't make any better, of course, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. But let's let's sum up what the world looks like as this recently widowed um, and orphaned emperor takes the throne. The Bulgars are very weak. His brother-in-law mm. is the minority ruler over there, so they're not going to be able to do anything. The Sultanate of Rom and Trebizond were still reeling from the Mongols, so they're not going to be able to do anything. Uh, Theodore now had control over, obviously, the Nicene Empire, but the Nicene Empire at this point is all of the left part of Anatolia, like it had always been since the fall of Constantinople, uh, but also most of the Balkan region at this point. So most of modern-day Greece and going up into Thrace and all that area uh, hitting the, the Bulgars. In fact, the only region that is not under Nicene control and could even vaguely contest them is Epirus. Epirus is still there on the left side of modern-day Greece, uh, but it's, it's small and weak and it's nothing compared to Nicaea. Uh, at this point. So, yeah, Nicaea is still very much top dogs in the who's going to reform the Roman Empire. Yeah. Obviously, the capital is being held by the Latins, but that is literally all they've got at this point. Just the capital and a couple of outlying towns. So if it wasn't for the continuing fear of a Mongol invasion, things are looking really, really good. Apart from one slight detail, and that is the Bulgars still had taken some land off the Nicene Empire, uh, towards the end of John's rule, and they hadn't managed to get it back yet. Yeah, so, a little, little niggle, niggle. Yeah, John was going to go and sort it out, but then he fell ill, so, so a slight niggle there. Uh, but before anything can be dealt with, uh, Theodore's got to appoint a new patriarch, uh, because the patriarch happened to die just before his father had, and he can't be crowned until he's got a patriarch. Most people wanted one of his old teachers to become the Patriarch. It was just a good guy for the job, apparently. Yeah, uh, Theodore wasn't keen on this idea. It's like, no, no. I mean, this obviously isn't the hated tutor because he's dead. No, I don't want any of my old teachers. Uh, that's just a pain, isn't it? You become the Emperor and one of your teachers becomes the Patriarch. You just feel like you're being judged all the time, wouldn't you? Yeah, you get report cards every every couple of weeks and oh, it'd be awful. Exactly. So you, you get the teacher stare at you every time you made a bad decision as Emperor. And you'd have to call them Sir as well. So instead, uh, he appointed a relatively unknown monk that he liked the look of. The monk obviously couldn't just become the patriarch. Uh, he had to rise through the ranks of the church. <laughs> uh, which well, he... so he's risen through the ranks in one day. <laughs> yes, exactly. In one day, he became a priest, then a deacon, then the patriarch. So fast track to uh, being the patriarch. And that was good because now he could be crowned officially. Yeah. I don't know if I can choose your monk. It's a bit like going to like a dog trust kind of thing. I'm guessing so it pick, was pick just like that. He, Little cages. He, there's oh, a big line of monks. He is. Check, check the monk's teeth. Yeah. yeah. Grab, grab the arse and, you know, lift up the, the tail. Yeah. Just squeeze all the important bits to make sure that they're fine. Yeah. And Ooh, just, definitely monk. Yeah. De <laughs> definitely can be patriarch. Bit like with uh, the Pope and mm. the uh, the seat, which obviously is not true. You listen to Podfax. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Because but, yeah. I heard that on QI and I... I no, that's not true. Like, they lift the t t testicular eye or something. Yeah, listen to uh, Pontifax's episode on Pope Pope Jean um, for all the information there. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked again, Jamie. Sorry. We're getting, we're very sidetracked. We're going to be talking about zombies again. 
Um, <gasps> zombies. Zombies. Let's talk about zombies. No, no, not talking about zombies. We are talking about the Bulgars and how weak they were. Yes, because of the zombie invasion that took place. There we go. All yeah, makes sense. I mean, zombies yes. are great. <laughs> Yes, uh, no, the Bulgars were weak um, at this time. Like I said, his ex-brother-in-law, whose name is Michael, by the way, is currently the leader of the Bulgars. And this Michael decided that John's death meant the Romans would probably be weak enough to take some land. So, yeah, um, so the Bulgars invade. And they'd already taken some land off the Romans, so this isn't good. You'd promise not to. Well, Theodore debated what to do. Should he take troops immediately and take on the Bulgars? Or should he wait to see exactly what's going on here? I think wait. Measure up. What are they doing? Right, well, you would have gone on with Theodore's two uncles. Yes. Because they also advised wait. He didn't want to rush into something at the start of his rule and undermine his power. Stay at home, stabilise things, make sure you're secure before you go out. Pretty much everyone else, however, said, no, you need to prove you're as good as your father. Your land's under attack. Go and do what your father was planning to do, which was go and kick some Bulgar bottom. Yes. Yeah. And this argument won the day. Theodore sets off with all haste, leaving a man in charge of the East. And this George. was none other than his childhood friend, George Mausolon. Not George hey. source. Yes. Thank goodness. Yeah. As you can imagine, this was much to the displeasure of many of the royal court. The yeah. nobility thought, who is this page boy who's now in charge of us? How dare he? It probably would have upset them even more if they'd realised the message that uh, Theodore had given to his good friend. Because there was the instruction left, while I'm gone, Mausolon, could you um just root out anyone in the nobility who are... I don't know, plotting against me. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Really get the idea that Theodore had no love for the uh, the royal court. He yeah. just thought they were all a bunch of idiots. Um, it's, I, like, I like the realism in him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway. This is almost Jenny Caesar worthy already. Well, the- Theodore's got a plan. Um, he is going to take the Borgar Tsar by surprise. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> well, there's only one way to do this. That is, get there as quick as possible before they realise. Yeah. And they managed to get to Adrianople before a Bulgar spy spotted them. So got most of the way there. Very impressive. I, I like I like the idea that, you know, get there as quick as possible, but it still took about four months to get there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't four months, but yes, it was. Uh, it would have been a, a good, co- good couple of weeks. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, a Bulgar spy does eventually spot them. However, when the spy reported uh, to those high up in Bulgaria, uh, he just wasn't believed. It's like, no, you must have made a mistake there. There's no way Theodore can be that close. No. There's no way he could yeah. move that quickly. Oh, they don't even have horses. Yeah. <laughs> well, they've got one horse and he's hell-bent mm. on killing Theodore, so... <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but meanwhile, Theodore is pushing on as quickly as he possibly could. So they're getting closer to where he knew that the, uh, the Bulgars were camped out. In fact, they come across a Bulgar scouting party and took them out. As in, killed them, didn't go on a date. Oh, okay. Yeah, just to clear that up. Uh, But they didn't kill all of them. A few managed to escape back to their camp and told the Tsar, no, no, you know that spy who we didn't believe? He was right on the money. They're (laughs) they're here. They're they're about to be here. 
Yeah, you know that guy you executed? Yeah, <laughs> Jeff. Yeah, actually, he was on the money. Yeah, He was. He, was. he got it right. You know how he's screaming as the flames licked up? <laughs> You'll rue the day. Um, time to start ruining, sir. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Michael. Michael panicked and ordered a full retreat as quick as possible. <laughs> yeah. According to our source, George, uh, they fled so quickly that Michael, the Tsar, injured himself on the tree branches, slapping him in the face as they fled. That's not an injury. That's a mild scratch. Oh, I don't know. If you got one in the eye, that would hurt. Maybe. I'd think yeah. it's like a, like a slight red welt like, from little, a relief. Little tiny cut. A bit like... um. A bit like Arwen got in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. When she's not even that. Through. Not just, even yeah, that. Just... Okay. So Theodore arrives at where he'd been told by his scouting party, the Borgars were, and was very disappointed to find a deserted camp. He really, yeah, it's like he really <laughs> felt he, he got them. Uh, frustrated, Theodore continues. And they take back a city that had recently been lost without a fight. They just go, oh, no, 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 that's fine. We give in, we give in. So, success for Theodore. Uh, but then, unfortunately, a storm hits and snow covers everything. It became very clear that uh, the troops can't go on here. Um, we, we need to fall back to at least Adrianople. Winter's kicking in. We, we've got to just chill out for a bit, wait till the worst of the weather goes over. European geography is really extreme, isn't it? Because you've got, like, the Romans are essentially from Rome, which rarely gets snow. Yeah. Then Constantinople, which rarely gets snow, if ever. Um, so you've got these soldiers that used to heat and stuff and suddenly, right, guys, we're climbing from a mountain. What? I don't know. I think you'll find Constantinople gets snow more than you realise. Does it? Yeah, you get areas of uh, like Turkey and going into Syria is freezing in the winter. Really cold in the winter. Yeah, I guess so. We, we just see it as being hot desert land, but it... Uh, it becomes cold desert land in the winter, so... I imagine at night as well. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And yeah, where, right. where we are at the moment in Bulgaria is very mountainous as well. Remember, this is the region where all the emperors in the past have gone into and gone down the Ambush Valley and just been killed. Oh, yeah. yeah, so that's where we are at the moment. So you've got all <laughs> these big mountains and stuff, so all that's See, going on. Am- Ambush Valley now has a sign saying, beware. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a big sign that everyone tries to avoid it, but for some reason they keep going in. They do. Idiots. Idiots. Anyway, so Theodore retreats back to Adrianople. However, he's not about to give up. Oh, no, no, no. From here, he sent out forces to various towns. Stop moaning. I don't care it's winter. Yes, I know it's winter. Don't care. But I'm cold. No. If the Bulgars are slowing down, we're not. We're going to take these uh, towns back. So off you go. So he stayed in Adrianople for a bit and just sort of commanded things. And actually, they do really quite well over the winter period, taking Mm. back quite a lot of land. But it's not all a success, uh, because in spring, wanting to start a major push, Theodore sent out two generals to push into Bulgar land completely. However, these two generals got really spooked out when they heard the noise. Ghosts! No, not ghosts. What noise do you dread when you're on a battlefield? Elephants! (laughs) <laughs> Probably. No, horns, Jamie. Bah, bah, bah. If you're a force going through enemy land and you suddenly hear horns being blasted... That means reinforcement, doesn't it? Well, yeah, it's like you, you're in trouble. So, the generals thinking, oh, we're in uh, Ambush Valley territory here. Uh, let's let's get out of here, shall we? we we've, we've heard what happened to Starachius and Nightcare for us. I mean, it's, it's nasty around this region, so let's... Uh, 
Let's let's go. Um, let's go right now. In fact, shall we get the baggage? No, no. Let's go. Run, run, run. And they <laughs> leg it. Like they all they yeah. all flee. Uh, go back. But watch them go over the hill. Apart from one straggler, yeah, there's gone. Yeah. Right, look at all the supplies or the baggage train that they are left behind, and then pan up slightly, go up the hill, where the yeah. horns are coming from, and who comes over the hill? No one. A handful of shepherds blowing their <laughs> horns for the sheep. <laughs> but these are well-armed sheep. <laughs> these are ninja sheep, like yes. balaclavas. <laughs> Ninja stars. Which is great because they use their own wool to make their balaclavas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's all very sustainable. Armoured. Yes. The the back, like you get the infantry at the front and the armoured sheep at the back. Yeah. Um, But But a few very relaxed shepherds just wearing the usual gear. Yeah, yeah. And and horns. Um, Yeah. And they see uh, before them, it's like, oh, look, it's the baggage train Mm. of an entire army. Christmas has come early this year. Yeah. Yeah. And we share, we're just here for our uh, sheep cosplay. <laughs> yeah, so... It was cardboard, it's not even real. I'll, I'll quote George of how um, Theodore reacted when he learned what had happened. Because I'm assuming that straggler, you know, straggler you noticed? Jeff, he, yeah. Yeah, he noticed who had come over the hill and then went and told the emperor. And I'll quote here, The emperor was beside himself with anger at this, and in a fit of rage ordered those same men to return to the same battlefield just as they were, but they were unable to do this. But it's such a big hill. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's a bit strange, that line. I'm I'm guessing what that means is they'd lost all their supplies and they had to, Mm. like, get new supplies to form a new baggage train. They weren't able to go straight back into the field, which, again, would have really annoyed Theodore. Mm. So that's a shame. And then more bad news. A Bulgarian general who had defected to the Romans during his father's rule had switched sides once more (gasps) and had gone back to the Bulgarian side. Duplicitous. Yes. This general had sieged a Roman-held city. So Theodore rushes to relieve this city. However, to get to this city, the army was forced to march where? Oh, the valley. Oh, yes. The one that with all the signs saying, beware, do not enter, you will die kind of thing. Yeah. Welcome to Ambush Valley. Instead of a population number, there's just a death toll number. <laughs> <laughs> on, on, a, on a chalkboard <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with a guy sitting next like, looking really sad <laughs> <laughs> it's a full time job <laughs> yeah <laughs> three shepherds went through here the other day <laughs> added them on <laughs> yeah um, yeah so they've, they've got to go through uh, Ambush Valley and uh, Theodore it's the only way ordered his troops forward cavalry can go first he says <laughs> Jeff you go first yeah Probably ordering the cavalry first because he's got a vendetta against horses, probably. I can't really see. Uh, (laughs) Just send the... Not the people, just send the horses. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, the cavalry lead the way. And I'm just going to say it because obviously the Bulgars are all hidden in the hills. Obviously they are. Um, Of course. I mean, they've been warned enough. (laughs) (laughs) The Bulgars halfway up the mountainsides of the valley suddenly jump up and start shooting arrows down. Arrows rain down on Theodore and his men. But what's this? Oh, rising on the sun on the third day, look to the east. Yes, but not it didn't take three days. Um, yes, uh, because... <laughs> We're dead! Because the Bulgars started firing down at the Romans, but then, to their horror, noticed that arrows had started to rain down on them. They turn round and see that there's a whole bunch of Roman troops above them, further up the valley side. 
Ambush squared. Oh, yes. Ambush the ambushers. See, the ambushers ignore the signs. Exactly. Well. <laughs> this is Ambush Valley. They should know. Everyone's getting ambushed in Ambush Valley. <laughs> There's no way around it. Yeah, Theodore had, and I quote here, detached an infantry contingent of a reasonable size from the troops, ordering it to march on the mountain above the Bulgarians, so as to strike those in a lower place from a high ground. As in the balls, or, like, from a lower position. <laughs> um, what do you mean? <laughs> I'd like to uh, think that the uh, Roman troops... Had to get clarification of that. They'd started marching away and someone asked that question. So, uh, the general just sighed and went, oh, someone go back and ask. <laughs> <laughs> right, but anyway, uh, the Bulgars, realising they'd been surrounded, fled. They fled so hard and so fast, in fact, that the defecting general who was in charge of these ambushes was crushed to death by the horses that were also fleeing. So there you go. That's another win in the Theodore column. So he must have arranged that very quickly or was this i mean it couldn't have been a plan all along or well was they, it a plan all along? they came across the valley and unlike some roman emperors who shall not be named didn't go <laughs> yeah why not let's just walk down this valley shall we he's so went, the signs the signs <laughs> no ignore them we're fine no no theodore saw the valley and went you know what just just in case just in <laughs> case let's send some troops around the edges yeah i, I know i know being paranoid you know me, old paranoid Theodore. Um, but <laughs> uh, shall we do that? Yeah, and, and it's a good job he did. So there you go. Uh, that's good. Uh, so they get through the valley and they can continue on. At this point, he gets a touch of the old dysentery, which is a shame. Yeah. Can you get a touch of dysentery? Or <laughs> <laughs> is it just a, a flow of dysentery? I don't know. Yeah, in the same way that technically a punch to the face is you being touched. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but he recovers, fortunately. He does. And he carries on, uh, taking towns back for the Roman side. Uh, but then he gets a letter from his good friend Mausolon. And it's, right, what, dude. it's, it's what they've been dreading for years. The Mongols are coming. Uh, so, I told everyone to be quiet! <laughs> <laughs> so Theodore swings round and makes all haste to get back home. However, only after a few days of marching at breakneck speed, uh, another messenger arrived. Roger. Yeah, yeah, the first one wasn't Roger. Um, this one is. Uh. Sorry, ignore, ignore the last letter. It's uh, my, my new apprentice. Sorry, sir. Uh, false alarm. Turned out to be a flock of birds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Turned out to be a dog uh, walking along the top of a wall next to a human and from a certain angle it looked like a man with a dog's head and we got confused. Um, so... <laughs> It's so now the dog wanted to play. We had a splendid time. Yes, it's wonderful. Uh, Great respite for the army. <laughs> yeah, so ignore that. So uh, Theodore slows down and just spent the time mopping up the area. He had been completely successful, taking back all but two fortresses that the Romans had lost under the end of uh, his father's rule. Wow. So there you go. Pretty yeah. much 100% success rate. Yeah. However, well, 98%. Exactly, yeah. The, that's really irking Theodore. He's yeah. irked. That's how he described <laughs> yeah. himself in a meeting that, that night. This is my irked face, he said uh, to mm. his generals. It's just those two fortresses. They're bugging me. One of them was a nothing fortress at all, by the way. Uh, the other one was quite significant, but I mean, it was still, like you say, it's 98% victory. His generals are telling him, you know, seriously, we, we've won. We can go home. We have definitely won this, but eh, 
I'm going to ask you a question you might not know the answer to, so we can cut this. Um, were those fortresses made out of? Are they wood or stone? Oh, that's a very good question. I don't know the answer. Um, probably yeah. a mixture of both. I imagine the more significant one uh, was a fortified uh, town slash city, uh, the more right. significant one. So it would have been like a, a city with walls uh, right. being used as a, a garrison for forces as well. I see. Um, uh, probably stone, I'm guessing. Uh, but obviously earthworks and wood was also used a lot. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so um, it's just, like I say, irking him. So he's mm. going to do something about it. I, I don't want to go home and celebrate a 98% victory. I want to say mm. 100%. George describes what happened. He mobilised the entire army from Adrianople and gave orders for numerous wagons to be collected from all parts of Macedonia. Some for the transport of engines and siege towers, others for the conveyance of army provisions. And he ordered the mustering of almost innumerable host of foot soldiers, archers and club bearers. Club so, bearers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ran out of foot soldiers and archers. Just get get guys with sticks. That'll do. Get your blackjacks out. Just, yeah. you know, go um, mad. Have so, fun. <laughs> biggest army he's risen so far. They set off. But wouldn't you know it, another storm hits. Aww. How annoying. And this one was so severe that, and the snow so deep that they were forced to stop. They literally could not move. Theodore called his advisors into his tent and his leading generals. And pretty much all of them said, no, we need to turn back. This We just can't do this. It's only snow. It's just water, but, but hard. <laughs> it's pretty much exactly what Theodore said. <laughs> no, he's like, no we're, we're just not doing it. In fact, he thanked them for their advice, but then said, and I quote, if I, with the help of God, should have something else in mind, would you not accept this as a statement from a sensible master and one who looks after you as he should? Um, so all the generals are part of the atheist society, so <laughs> problem. This, this is really not a statement you want to hear from your boss, is it? It's like, thank no. you for your input, but if I was to say something else, would you not think that that was actually more sensible? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing the tent was full of men avoiding each other's eyes, and I imagine then they very slowly agreed that obviously they would think it was very sensible if the emperor yeah. thought so. Of course, sir. Uh, so Theodore orders the army to push on regardless. However, the terrain was almost impossible to get across. It's just slow going. Uh, one night, they take shelter under uh, a dense forest. They light fires for warmth, because obviously it's very cold. We're really getting into winter here. Uh, but the problem with lighting many, many fires in a very dense forest... It's it, very visible. Um, it's, it's not that. And it's also not the fact that the forest burnt down. I mean, they know how to... <laughs> They didn't burn the forest down, you'll be pleased to know. <laughs> they know how to make fires that are safe. However, all the smoke that rises from the flames got caught beneath the canopy and uh, yeah. th they just got smoked out. Apparently it was just almost unbearable. There were Wait. just soldiers choking, unable to sleep, their eyes streaming. They just... <laughs> in this big smoky howl, basically. I guess, because they're using wet wood as well, so yeah, that's yeah. what causes smoke. So Yeah, yeah so it was sense. very, very unpleasant. Um, must have been nasty. Uh, so unpleasant in the end, Theodore finally relents and orders the retreat. Fine, we'll make do with an almost complete victory. So they head back home. And what's there? They celebrate their victories. Much celebrations to be had. Uh, to celebrate, Theodore gave out various titles to people. Hooray! Nice. Um, but no, no titles to the people that have the 98% banner. No, no. <laughs> no. 
you just know that that was actually the horse handling those out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> every every joy you ever have, Theodore, I will take from you. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Theodore gives out various titles, but most of them he gives to his good friend Mazelon. Thank you for looking after the place whilst I was gone, old chum. Have good some job. titles. I don't care how much the nobility hate this. Our source George, by the way, utterly outraged by this. He called Mausolon at this point pitiful and brought up in childish pastimes. George then goes on to say that he reluctantly joined in the celebrations because it would look bad not to. I reluctantly got drunk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, winter passes and Theodore's off again. He's not going to hang around. Um, words come through from the east. There are no Mongols in sight. They checked. We saw another dog. We also saw someone with a human body, but they had a human head as well. So we (laughs) figured it was probably a human. So it's fine. No mongoose. So off to the west it is. So he travels west. News comes through of some Bulgar raids as they're traveling. So Theodore speeds up. uh, But the raids were over before he managed to get there, which frustrated Theodore. He, He... wanted to go and smash the raids. But this was actually a victory of sorts, because raiding season had only just begun, and the mere... uh, (laughs) There's a season. Oh, yeah, it's raiding season. (laughs) Way! Yeah, it's when when the crops are being harvested and stuff, so you could go in and take the... Yeah, yeah, it it makes sense. Uh, Just the very fact that um, they heard Theodore was on the way meant the raid stopped. So, yeah, he didn't get to do a battle, but he stopped the raiding, Mm. and you could argue in a really good way because no one had to die. Uh, so there you go that's good Uh, so they're over there um, near the Bulgarian border Theodore's deciding what to do maybe maybe get that final 2% and then decide what to do after that he thinks then a Russian duke turned up oh hello (laughs) yeah he said this was the father-in-law of Michael the Tsar of the Bulgars right and he was there ancestor to Rasputin Yes, yes, definitely. 100% true that. Fact. Yeah. yeah. He was there to negotiate peace, he said. Mm. Essentially, here's, here's the dealio. That's how Russians spoke about them. Yeah. You can have those two forts that you couldn't get. You can have your final 2%. And Bulgaria, my son-in-law has said, he's happy to go back to the pre-existing border, the, the lines that were drawn under your father. We'll go back to that. And in return, we'll all pretend none of this happened and you won't go and invade Bulgaria. I, I suspect he'll say yes to that. That sounds fantastic, then invade Bulgaria. Well, Theodore agrees. This does sound yeah. fantastic. And then we get a lot of detail from George. Because George is there. He's in the camp. Yeah. Yes. And George is dedicated to writing a history, but my God, does he not let a personal grudge get in the way of him writing a history? <laughs> What's the personal grudge? We're about to hit it. This is it. Oh! Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, we get loads of detail here. George tells us that uh, one night, a few nights after this uh, Russian duke turned up, uh, the emperor was doing his rounds, as per usual. Theodore, apparently, as the sun was setting, would ride around the camp, make sure everything's okay, talk to some of the men, which sounds yeah. pretty good. Uh, quite often, his advisors or some of his generals would go with him um, so they could discuss things at the same time. Multitask. Yeah. Again, makes sense. This night, uh, Theodore just rode off on his horse really quickly, and uh, George wasn't quite ready. 
and he's meant to be there with him. Uh, wasn't able to get his horse ready in time, so he had to jump on whatever was nearby, and that was a mule, which was a bit embarrassing. So George wasn't happy about this. He thought that Theodore would slow down for him, but uh, Theodore didn't. He just goes off. So George is trying to catch up to the Emperor on this mule, looking a bit silly, feeling a bit disgruntled. Anyway, he finally catches up with the Emperor, who was already talking to his other advisors and his generals. It turned out that the Emperor had heard a rumour. This Russian Duke was lying to them. He was not in any way talking on behalf of Bulgarian Tsar. He'd just come off his own back to just see if he could make some money by inserting himself into negotiations. Yeah. Theodore relates this to his uh, advisers, and then sits back on his horse and says, So what do you think? Can we trust this duke? Or not? Remind me, is, is this information he was given, or is he just suspect? This is a rumour he's been given. He's been told this from someone. Right. Yeah. And Theodore doesn't know whether to believe it. Should he trust this duke, or should he not? Ask the duke. Well. Have a conversation. His advisers all agreed that this story seems very unlikely. What does this man have to gain from lying? He'd be found out fairly quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Theodore pointed out, well, maybe he's just trying to get money out of the situation. Because to ease the diplomatic channel, shall we say, it's very common for a little bit of money to be passed here and there. (sighs) So, um, yeah, maybe he's just out for a bit of money. Maybe it's greed. So then Theodore again asked his advisers, do you think we can trust him? And again, his advisers said, no, I really, I think we can. It makes no sense he's lying. That was a bit of a pause. And then Theodore turned to George, singling him out on his little mule. And I'll quote now, what do you think about this? And then George replied, and again I'll quote, in this matter, I am inclined to agree with the others. I think that the report contains more falsehood than truth. Even if he was to go back on his oaths, as sometimes happens, thinking to deceive us, he will make an enemy of God, who we have on our side as champion of the truth and justice. There was a pause. (laughs) And then Theodore just said, but can we trust him? And again, all of his visors said, yeah, I, I think we can. And then Theodore turned to George for a second time, and I'll just quote again. What do you have to say about this? He asked, adding my title of office. For this subject is appropriate to you, as it is especially your responsibility. Now, George had written up the documents, the oaths that had been signed to just yeah. say that he was officially there on behalf of the Borgazar. So Theodore was saying, well, you draw up the, uh, the documents where he signed the oaths, so this is kind of on you. If he's not trustworthy... This is on you. George gets annoyed by this, understandably. Because if someone said to you, it's like, it's your fault if he's lying because you drew up the documents that he lied on, you'd get annoyed, wouldn't you? Yeah, you're questioning your professionalism. Yeah, and also it's like, well, it's not me lying. I drew up the documents. He's the one who lied. In fact, George pretty much says this. I'll quote, Why is it my responsibility? He said to the emperor. If I had not drawn up the documents well, or administered the oaths properly, or had not given him and his companions the appropriate treatment, then this would be my fault, and my failure. But if these duties were carried out suitably, and just as they ought to have been, then why should I be blamed for what upset he has done? Fair point. 
Yeah, it's a very fair point from George here. <laughs> Theodore then starts to ride off. Fine, let's continue with the inspection. But after a couple of trots, he suddenly pulls his horse to a stop, turns around in his saddle and says to George, but do you think the Duke is lying? Theodore obviously like started to ride off and went, hang on, he didn't answer the question there. He just said, it's not my fault if he is. So by this point, George is just getting really frustrated. And I'll quote him again. I've told you many times, O Emperor, that the statement seems to be more false than true. Besides, I do not think that it's an easy thing to give an accurate, accurate opinion about something that's uncertain. In other words, I'm fairly sure we can trust him, but I don't know. How <laughs> <laughs> am I supposed to know? Theodore was not happy with this answer, or more to point the tone of voice, you get the impression, and replied, It is a gift to be able to give secure and precise opinions on uncertain matters. Even asses can talk about the obvious. A frustrated George replied, Behold, I've been classed with the asses. Theodore, getting even more angry, said, You always were a moron, and still are. George, at this point, replies, Since I'm a moron... I must keep silent and let the wise speak then. <laughs> so they just have this full-on blazing row. Wow. Yeah. I imagine everyone around them just standing up. Like, <laughs> like, oh, and... good God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just going to chew my nails and look at the... <laughs> oh, look at the map. <laughs> then Theodore, again, remember, this is all George relating this, so uh, who, who knows how, yeah, yeah. how true it is. But according to George, Theodore is so enraged by this point, he draws his sword. But then wow. pauses for a second, checks himself, and good. then puts it back <laughs> in the sheath. That's good. That's Instead, good. however, Theodore orders Mausolon to dismount George. Mausolon's there. Yeah. From his horse or from his position? From his horse. Oh. Yeah. I was joking. Okay. Yeah, no, literally. <laughs> dismount him. I'm gonna I'm gonna deal with him, get him off his horse, essentially. So did did the George just spend his entire time on a horse, even in like, you know, they're in a tent. Everyone's sitting down, he's just on a horse. Probably not all the time, but I mean, they're, remember, they're doing the rounds, so this is all taking place yeah. on there. I, I think it's all the time. Oh, okay, fair enough. But remember, throughout all of this, George is embarrassingly on a mule and everyone else is on horses. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Which yeah. is slightly amusing. But not, <laughs> not as amusing as this line in George's account, because when he says Mausolon was ordered to dismount him from his mule, uh, I'll quote here, Mausolon wanted to obey the order, but was unable to, for he had a thin, weak body. Little dick there. Yeah. Little Instead, um, George just got off the mule himself. <laughs> Theodore then loudly told everyone that he owed George many things, for George had ser served the royal family for many a year, uh, had introduced the emperor to... Uh, many things uh, in his education, but then ordered George to be beaten for the way he had talked to the emperor. Wow. Yes. And I quote, they beat me. I took the blows in silence. He was angered all the more because I was not completely bent and cowed to the point of supplication. So, yeah, he's just beaten I, in front of I, everyone. I, I feel there's slight hyperbole in all of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, George comes across as very good in this story. He's there he just does? bravely taking a beating, steely-eyed, staring into the distance. Yeah. It's like the story you tell where if you, you know, someone tries to attack you in, in town, 
Yeah, no, I stood up to them. I looked them in the eye and threw a brick. There were 17 of them. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, things like that. Uh, Anyway, George then spends, and I'm not joking here, about a page saying how he stayed in his tent for a month after this, refusing to talk to the emperor. Uh, It's full on. I hope he's that line repeated. Pretty much. However, all very embarrassingly for the Emperor, uh, it turned out the Russian Duke was telling the truth and his advisors were correct. Oh. Yeah. Splendid. <laughs> uh, peace was Sorry, achieved. Sorry, George. Um, well, yeah, he didn't do it himself. Uh, Theodore sent Mausolon to go and ap- apologise to George. Make sure you're on your knees. <laughs> George Don't then... know on a horse on... On your knees. <laughs> George then turned up and uh, Theodore said something along the lines of, why are you standing over there? Surely you should be standing next to me where you belong. And George just went, fine. But uh, things were a bit tense. Yeah. I, yes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, George, after spending a good three pages recounting just his argument with Theodore, <laughs> then, <laughs> then gets back to the history. <laughs> Excellent. Which I just love. I just love the fact it's like, and then there was this time, right? <laughs> yeah. And another thing. <laughs> anyway, um, so back to the history here. When Theodore's father, John, was alive, uh, John had arranged for Theodore's daughter, Maria, to marry the ruler of Epirus's son, Nicephorus. Remember, Epirus is the only region that is still not completely under the sway of uh, yes. Nicaea, uh, apart from Constantinople itself. So this was a way of getting Epirus diplomatically into the empire again. Now, when John had arranged this, the two were very young children. So it was like, yeah, we'll do this when they're older, um, but nothing's done formally. But they're old enough now. So it's about time this Nicephoros and his mother came to visit Theodore and arranged the details of the wedding. Hmm. However, Theodore saw this as an opportunity. Epirus, like I say, is the only region even slightly able to counter Theodore's claim to be the true successor of the Roman Empire. So why not use this wedding to make sure Epirus knew who was boss? So when the wife of the ruler of Epirus, and just so we know who we're talking about here, the ruler of Epirus at this point is another Michael, but we don't talk about it much, so just I'll just keep calling him the Epirus ruler. Uh, and his wife is called Theodora. So when Theodora turns up uh, with her son, Nicephoros, they turn up, um, they talk about the future wedding, and then Theodore drops the bombshell. My daughter will only marry your son if you hand over two of your key cities. Ooh. Yeah. Theodora didn't like the sound of this and went, probably made a noise like you just did. (laughs) Ooh. But then Theodore heavily implied that if she did not agree, she would find it very difficult to get home. Yeah. There's a lot of guards in this room. There's a lot of guards. <laughs> yeah. So Theodora reluctantly signs an agreement saying, yes, you can have these two key cities. And that agreement is then sent off to her husband, who was furious, as you can imagine. However, yeah. he wanted his wife and his son back, so he agrees. And then, believe it or not, the wedding goes ahead. <laughs> wow. In what I can only imagine must have been one of the most awkward weddings in history. <laughs> I was going to say, that'd be phenomenal. <laughs> Just imagine the speeches and how passive-aggressive they must have been. Mm. Soon after this, Theodore learns that a popular governor, 
from the powerful Paleologus family has suddenly mm. fled to the Sultanate of Rom. Do you remember that name? Pe- yes, I do. That's the name of the very last dynasty of Rome. Oh, oh. Oh, yes. We're getting For- close. Foreboding. Foreboding. Uh, anyway, Theodore's not very happy about this. What, what do you mean, uh, Michael Paleologus has suddenly fled to the Sultanate of Rome? He's one of our top generals. Why, why? Why on earth has he gone over to the Muslims? Is he, is he coming back? Is he going to try and attack us? Is this a coup? What's going on? So we asked George exactly this. George obviously has sort of made up with Theodore by this point and is close at hand. George replied to Theodore, I do not think that he would do such a thing, as in turn around and invade the empire. Yeah. I have observed his disposition and I believe him to be a friend of the Romans. Theodore replied, then why has he fled from our territory? And you get the impression George sighed slightly at this point and said, because, as you know, O Emperor, you were threatening him with the most dreadful things, not once or twice, but many times. And you were furious with him and you said, in front of many people, that you would send him away and put his eyes out. And he learnt about this, hearing all the things that were being said, his heart was stung, and he feared punishment, so he hastened to avoid it. Well, fair enough. (laughs) One of my (laughs) favourite quotes of all time. (laughs) Why on earth has he done this? Well, you did threaten to take his eyes out. (laughs) It's a a very real answer. (laughs) You can relate to that answer. (laughs) Uh, now, the fact is... Why are you so scared of this person? He's going to kill me. <laughs> well, the fact was, uh, Michael Paleologos had been accused of treason under his father's rule. So Theodore did not trust this man. So I quite often said things like, I don't trust that man. If he's plotting something, I'll have his eyes. However, a few days later, all of the generals under Michael Paleologos's rule, because he, he ruled a, a region as a governor, so all the generals under him received an identical letter. And I'll quote this letter. I fled because I was afraid. Mm. I was afraid of the emperor and I was apprehensive that something bad might happen to me. (laughs) And then he wrote some advice to his generals. Be brave and prudent in carrying out your military duties. Keep the garrisons of the forts and towns secure and let the care and preservation of the whole territory be maintained as usual. Carry on as you would without me there. That's a very real response, isn't it? Well, this apparently cheered Theodore up. Excellent. Michael's not planning to come back. He's giving some nice advice to his generals. I really get the impression, though, that he's missing something here. Because carry on as we were. (laughs) Maintain as usual. I mean, this sounds very much like coded language to me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But maybe this is just hindsight. Perhaps, maybe. (laughs) Because you know what's going to happen next. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But still, Theodore's uh, cheered up by this. Uh, Michael is, uh, he's not planning anything, it's absolutely fine. But then bad news. The Mongols are invading. Shh, everyone duck. Behind the sofa, behind the sofa, everyone. Yeah, put a sign outside the town that says mountain. (laughs) They won't invade. (laughs) Bunch of Mongols just outside looking at the sign. What on earth are they doing? <laughs> we we can't see you, you know. <laughs> shh, shh. Why have you left out dog biscuits? <laughs> you strange people. Um, <laughs> so weird. Yes. It's uh, clearly not a mountain. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, the, the Mongols turned up. Uh, they invaded Anatolia once more. Obviously, <laughs> this is far too close for comfort. Uh, the Sultan of Rum was defeated and uh, ousted by the Mongols, and the Sultan of Rum fled to Nicaea uh, to Theodore's court. Now, the Sultan's brother was put on the throne in place by the Mongols as a puppet Sultan, which uh, really annoyed the old Sultan, as you can imagine. So he asked Theodore for help. Theodore decides to act. Re- against the Mongols? Really? Oh, he's not an idiot. He's not going to try and fight them. Okay. okay. No, what he does is he sends negotiators to the Mongols. And their heads were returned 12 <laughs> days later. <laughs> no, no. Uh, they, send, they send the negotiators to the Mongols uh, and the new Sultan of Rum. How about we come to an agreement here? Why don't we split the Sultanate of Rum up into two halves? The two brothers can have one half each, and both of them will pay you a tribute. And the Mongols go, no skin off our nose as long as we're being paid. Now we're just being paid by two groups of people. So, fine. Yeah, that always works well when you split a place in half. That always always ends up well, doesn't it? Yeah, but I mean, let's face it, it's already a puppet state at this point, so it doesn't really matter. Theodore comes out of this feeling very confident. The Mongols weren't invading him. They'd, like, stopped again at the Sultanate of Rum yet again. But also, he was helping negotiate with the Mongols. That looks good, doesn't it? That's almost as if he's apart from the whole thing. You're not going to invade us, remember? I'm that guy you do, like, fun negotiations with, and I help you guys out. So, yeah, you know, I'm not someone you'd invade. I'm here to just, I don't know, help, help with the paperwork after you invade my neighbours. So that that's, sounds good. During all of this, by the way, obviously Michael uh, Paleologos has um, had to return because he'd fled to the Sultanate of Rom and that had just been destroyed. Uh, so he comes back. However, Theodore gives oaths to say, I don't mean you any harm. I know I said I'd take your eyes. But I won't. I promise. (laughs) It's fine. Water under a bridge. So Michael's back. Um, However, things are not good in the West. Uh, The uh, ruler of Epirus was still furious with Theodore for the whole uh, taking two cities and the awkward wedding thing. So he starts to take land off the Nicene Empire. Now, Theodore wanted to deal with this, but there's a slight problem. He's not feeling very well. Oh dear. Yes. So instead, he sends his best generals to deal with Michael of Epirus, including Michael Paleologos, because he's back and he's he's a good general. So. And, and Paleo, Paleologos is the, the thing we have to keep track of. Yes, uh, a box should definitely be round his name. So, Theodore's feeling unwell at the palace. Reports start coming back to Theodore that were very mixed and very hard to understand. Are we winning this? It's hard for me to tell. Theodore starts to fear that his generals were turning against him. He became very bad-tempered and unpredictable, uh, and it was clear he was not going to survive his illness. So he monks himself. He monked himself? Yeah, he he wants to get closer to God before he dies. And it was just in time. He did indeed die soon after this. Many historians speculate that this is epilepsy, and him and his father suffered from the same thing. But again, it's impossible to know. Some historians say that doesn't fit, and it was probably cancer, uh, and it ran in the family. Uh, Who knows? But what is by far the most important thing you need to know is his young son, John IV, is now the emperor, but too young to be the emperor. So guess who he leaves in charge as regent? George. George, as in our source, George. Yes, his best mate, George Mausolon. The one who <laughs> Wonderful. The one who is hated by most nobility. Get the feeling he won't get a good ending. Just guess. Guess how long Mausolon lasts. I don't take the thunder. 
your thunder, but it's either be quite surprisingly long or like like an hour. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. We'll come oh. to it next time. <laughs> yes, but just know Mazlon's now in charge, and uh, John Four is now the uh, emperor. Right. And there you go. That is the end of Theodore. Wow. Okay, that was sudden. Yeah, yeah. We just suddenly gets ill. Did he die? Yeah, yeah. He's dead. Oh. He's dead. He monked himself and he died. Did you miss that bit? Yeah, I must have done. I just, that I, was very sudden. Yeah, okay. Oh wow, that's very sudden. That's Theodore. Should we rate him? Yeah, let's rate the hell out of him. Fightiest Maximus. Well, he did a fair bit of fighting, and it wasn't awful. Mm, um, he, he, he had his ninety-eight percent victory uh, through fighting. He led the troops himself, but he also stayed back and organised from a position of strength at times. He didn't blindly go down the Ambush Valley, which is really useful. But at the same time, it's not like any big great victories happened. He managed to get a bit of land that was lost at the end of his uh, father's rule. Let's face it, the main objective under his rule was get Constantinople back. Yes. And bring Epirus back in. Yes. And these were things his father was on the cusp of doing. And so was Theodore. Uh, But he didn't. So you could argue maybe he didn't quite succeed as well as he should have done. He just... But but he got ill and died before he could do it, just like his father. So, certainly not bad. He's certainly getting some points here. But there's no big major story. And even though we got loads of details this episode, there's very few details of his actual fighting. There's just nothing that really covers his battles or anything. So I can't give you any more detail. Mm. So, um, I'd, I'd say, in terms of what he fought, quite successful. Mm-hmm. So, well, I'd say thinking. above five. I'm thinking like maybe six or seven. Um, I was thinking six. Yeah. I think good solid six. I, yeah. I wouldn't disagree with seven if you went for a seven. Well, it doesn't matter what I go for, um, but I'm going to go for a six. Okay, you go for a six. I'll go for a six. That is a 12 for Fighters Maximus. Mm. As, I think you're, as I think you'll find, uh, bizarrely, these are going to be very quick rounds. Yeah, yeah. Despite, <laughs> despite how much info we had, there's not actually much to talk about here, because let's go into our next round. Aprovium Crazium. Right, despite all the personal detail, which is so rare and so nice to see, we just mm. don't really get anything in the way of crazy. He had his argument with um, George and ordered him to be beaten, which wasn't Apparently. really on, but this is, we get this through George. Yeah. And even then, you do get the impression that it's like, well, should you be talking to your emperor in that way? Yeah, and there's very little saying, just like his father and his grandfather, there just isn't. They're a very sane bunch. This they month. are frustratingly yeah. so <laughs> yeah uh, they're just there aren't any stories he didn't like his tutor he wrote an entire book about how he hated his I mean, tutor I mean that's a bit of I, I'd say that's going to get a point or so just, just the fair like, enough you can just have, have a point for <laughs> yeah. the obsession um, oh just remembered the sudden illness obviously it was the horse obviously that's how yeah. he died the horse decided I've finally taken enough from you you've suffered enough I'm going to come on just, just like Oh, where's the usual waiter? I have no idea, sir. Like a horse standing on two <laughs> legs, carrying a yeah. tray. Full-on Bojack Horseman. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, one for me. Yeah, I, I, I can only give one as well. Uh, yeah, there's just really not much to talk about in this round, which, yeah. And then we go on to our next round. Success ultimate. Surprisingly, not that much to talk about, um, because not that much changed. I mean, the empire had gone from strength to strength under his grandfather and his father. Mm. 
it went from literally nothing at all apart from an exiled general to the leading contender to restoring the Roman Empire. Yeah. And that's still what it is. Yeah. There's not so really it, been that much success. Right. If you're a person living in that empire, you're just saying, oh, it's the same. It's the status quo. Yeah, exactly. So I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, the fact you can keep it status quo is is a big fact. He, he built bit about the Mongols, which although it's fighty, he did do some negotiation the with the Mongols. Of, That's a good point. The yeah. impact of that is that yeah. actually we're still alive. <laughs> he made a deal, yeah. which I, I'm I'm willing to give him a five. I think status quo yeah. didn't make it worse, didn't make it better. I think that is a a solid five. I agree. With I that. think something is going to make some more sense to you in, in a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Image Right, there you go. That's uh, what he looks like. Mm. Again, these are, images are very similar to each other at the moment. There's uh, nothing special here. There's nothing unique. There's not. But, but his his little forked beard is very curly. It's a very curly forked beard that it I do is. like. He's had a that more, styled. It's a bit more luxurious than uh, his father's, if I remember correctly. But it is very much of a muchness. He, he looks very tired as well. Like the lines he in his eyes t- show tiredness. Yeah. It's a shame. It's, it's just... We've seen this so many times before mm. recently. And it, this doesn't change, by the way, um, until right towards the very end. The, right. the, we've got these images uh, going forward. Um, Crappy yeah. medieval paintings. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I don't want to penalise him too much for just being a bit more of the same, because it's not a bad image. I like the, the no. forked beard. I like his big hat. I'm going to go middle of the road again. I'm going to go for five. Yeah, because it's the same as everybody else. He has to sort of earn that. So that's 2.5. 2.5. Okay, how long do you think he lasted? I think a couple of years. Um, oh, right. You've not been surprised. I thought for the length of the episode, I thought you'd think he's he ruled for quite a while, but he didn't. Right. We just got a lot of detail. He ruled from 1254 to 1258, just under four years. So I count oh, wow. as four. Yeah. So, yeah, he actually ruled longer than you thought he was going to. Yeah. But yeah, um, I put something on Twitter. I genuinely thought going into this, I was going to do him and his son together, as in we'll release two very short episodes. Because yeah. I just looked at how long they ruled and what happened in their reign. I went, ah, well, not much happened in their reign. They mm. don't rule for very long. <laughs> Spoilers for his young son, by yeah. the way. Uh, so yeah, I really didn't think this was going to be long. And then mm. I started doing my research. It's like, oh, wow. George has a lot to say about him, and we've got some of his own writing as well, so we've just got lots of details. Yeah. But no, it's a short rule, so that's four years, which gives him a score of 0.5 for this round. So that gives him a, a very nice round score of 27. Yeah. No, yeah. no it's almost 30. It's not terrible. It, it, for a four-year rule, that is not yeah. bad at all. And it's his fighting um, that brought that up. Yeah, he wasn't bad. You get the impression if he'd lasted longer, he probably would have been as good as his father and his grandfather. Uh-huh. And you could argue he was as good as his grandfather and his father. He just didn't rule for anyone it was long, so no. he lost points. Um, yeah. But what about the question? Well, this is the question. Do they have a certain genesis? No. Yeah, no, I've got to I've got to agree with you. Um I mean, he is, he is an absolutely fine emperor. There was, yeah. I, I, I quite liked researching him. It was nice getting some personal stuff. Um, yeah. I liked the pettiness in the sources and yeah. the fact he hated his, uh, his, his teacher. I mean, there's some nice stuff there. 
And the, and, the, and the ambush squared is just some lovely things. Yes, yeah, yeah. There are there were some good things there. I'm I'm not going an outright outright no. know that he was awful, uh, but uh, I mean, he just didn't really get the chance. Unfortunately, I think. Yeah, and I, I think there's you know you should be commended if you can keep something the same as it is. Yeah. But I think he was trying so hard to achieve what he wanted to, and that's he did not disgrace his forebears. Yeah, no, not at all. I, he hoped. I think his his dad and his granddad will be proud yeah. of him uh, and just go. It's a shame you died. Yeah. Um, uh, but I no, it's just a no. But then we get to the last of the dynasty, number four, John four. Uh, how do you think John's going to fare? <laughs> well, he's kind of implied it already. Um, well, yeah, yeah. It's so it's not going to be good. I'm just going to say that he's he's uh, young. He's uh, his regent is. Um, Hated by the nobility. And um, there's also this uh, Michael Paleologos out there. Yeah. Yeah. What about him? What about him? Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we will obviously be covering that next time. Yeah. Uh, but before we go, exciting Ooh. news. Very exciting news. Exciting news. The uh, fools, the absolute fools over at uh, Intelligent Speech uh, Conference have uh, decided that we can go and talk yeah. uh, during <laughs> during what they uh, during their conference. Uh, <laughs> yes, no, uh, this is very exciting. If you've not heard of the Intelligent Speech Conference, this is an annual event uh, that takes place. Uh, where history podcasters from around the world get together and deliver speeches. Um, some big name in the history podcasting yeah. community go there. I know Mike Duncan's done one before. Wow. Uh, we're we're going to be there. We're going to do a, I believe, a 40-minute session. Um, but I've not decided what we're doing yet. The theme is crossings, so I've not fully decided what uh, I'm going to talk about. I might just let you do it, Jamie. Yeah, because I'll, I'll, I will very confidently talk about the crossing of the Rubicon without any knowledge of well I've yeah, got yeah, some. I've, i'll just talk about it and just wing it just just try and remember what we talked about during julius yeah. caesar's episode yeah it'll be fine yeah, easy yeah that'd be great um but yeah, yeah so we're doing that but also oh i'm not sure if i can say this because it's not been confirmed you know what i'm just going to say it anyway uh, <laughs> and if it doesn't happen sorry uh, but there is a chance that a rexipod roundtable will also be taking place with uh, us, Ooh. Pontifax, and Rex Factor, Wonderful. doing a, a joint kind of uh, thing as well. Uh, now it's um, it, it's all online, obviously, um, and it is on the twenty fifth of June this year. If you want to join us, it would be fantastic if you could be there. Yeah. Tickets usually cost thirty dollars, um, but if you order them before the first of June, which when this goes out will be what <laughs> if you order them pretty much straight away, uh, you. You can get them for $20 and then on top of that if you use the discount code TOTALUS uh, you get a further um, discount off that. So if you get those tickets you'll get to see everyone and like I, I've said um, there's many podcasters podcasts you probably enjoy if you listen to us who are going to be there this year uh, including Rex Factor and Pontifax. Um, so uh, oh, Wonders of the World podcast that we have uh, guested on a couple of yes. times. So Caroline yeah. is going to be there. Uh, she's doing something. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, all, all sorts. It's going to be really, really good. 
Come, come along if you can do so. Uh, that is the 25th of June this year. We'll put posts up on our social media if you want more information. So, um, yeah, hopefully see you there. Yeah, that'd be great um, to see everybody and, you know, yeah, good to talk. Uh, um, that will be good. Right. So, uh, apart from that, I think all we need to say is... is well, thanks for downloading some Poppy Oceans and Sitcher. And uh, yes. thanks for supporting us. If, you, uh, if you're And doing Spotify. That. Spotify. Oh, Spotify as well. Yeah. Th- this one's been on Spotify for ages, but guess oh. what, Jamie? Guess what I did yesterday? Oh, did you do it? I did it. I did it. Oh. The American podcast. Yeah. You're right. It was. It was click a button. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're idiots. Uh, it's fine. No. <laughs> it's fine. It's done. It's done. That job was ticked off. Anyway, <laughs> we're rambling now. Thank you very much for listening. All it needs to be said is, don't trust the horse. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Hello, Theodore. I'm absolutely devastated that, unfortunately, your, your tutor had passed away last night. I'm sorry you were you were too late. You mean he's already dead? Yes, he uh, he died just a couple of hours ago. It, it was a peaceful. <laughs> oh, 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 oh! It, it, sorry, I'm very emotional. Well, well I understand. It, it it was a peaceful death. He didn't suffer. Um, sorry. He, he didn't suffer. Oh, damn. Uh, so, um, sorry, I thought you said something else. Um, it's, it's, it's very hard hard for me. I, I should probably go and pay my last respects. Take, take all the time you need. I, I, I'll be just over here, but I, I won't be listening. Thank you. Thank you. Tutor, I owe you everything. So lovely. Nothing. I owe you nothing, you miserable, pathetic worm of a man. I hope, I hope you suffered. I hope, I hope that the guard's being polite to protect my feelings. I hope you writhed in pain, you, you pernickety, pedantic ass. That essay was good. That was a B plus, at least. Is everything okay? Oh, yes, yes, I was just, um, bowing my head. Um, as I, as I was saying, uh, I learned so much from you. So, so much. Such beautiful words. I learned how to hate. I learned how to despise. I learned what the lowest form of a human could be, and it was you. Occasionally, at night, I used to picture your death. And do you know what? It was never as near as fun as this is. I am loving this. Are you loving this? Oh no, you're dead. You can't love again. Excuse me? Oh, I'm just really sad that he will never feel love again. Um, anyway, uh, I'm probably ready now. I can probably, I've probably said all I need to say. Are you sure, sir? Yes, yes. No, I've, I've got. Um, I'm going to go and pray. That I'm going is, to pray all, all night. That that is a truly wonderful thing. And um, well, sir, I, I, I must say, I, I try not to get too emotionally involved for obvious reasons, but it is clear that you must have been very close. Oh, um, 
um, obviously, of course, he was my tutor, but why Why do you think that? Well, sir, he, he left you something outside. He, he's left something for me? Yes, uh, a wonderful stallion. And he's just standing there on the top of the stairs. Why is he looking at me like that? Turned into the only obvious contender to restore the Roman Empire. Oh my god, I've not pressed record. Job, I spotted that now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Should we start again? That's no, fine. I'll use the um I'll use right. the the editor, the the, right. the thing you want. So yeah. I'll sound amazing the first two minutes, that'll be great. Yeah, yeah. A deep masculine husky voice. <laughs> And suddenly all those people that died came back to life. Hooray! Uh, yeah, uh, but they were zombies, so they had to remove the head and attack the brain. Yeah. It was a Brains. shame. It was quite traumatic for all involved. Yeah. yeah. Especially got the uh, exponential spread as well. Yes, exactly. It was it was quite bad. Uh, but fortunately, the Bulgars are quite near uh, Dracula's castle. So yeah. uh, Dracula came along and sorted yeah. out. Oh, I love history. Well, actually, we are not. We're not far off. We're not. I was just thinking that. We are not like far off Dracula, are we? Within 100 Ooh. years. Vlad. Yeah. Monsieur Vlad. We could do an episode on him. Oh, he, he was a Roman emperor, wasn't he? I'm sure he was. We'll make it special. Like, we'll make it special, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Actually, I'm, I'm, I've got to look it up now. When, when was Vlad to the Empire? It must have been 12 or 13. That's... Oh, no, it's a bit later. It's uh, 1428. So that's going to be right at the end. Maybe that's why the uh, empire fell. He had three reigns. Yes, he did. Oh, we, should we do a special episode on Vlad the Impaler? That's what you thought. Yeah, be, that'd be fascinating. We could just do a fourth week episode. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with anything, but come on, it's Dracula. Dracula. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that another time. Yeah. Um, just so this is smooth in the edits. Okay, just looked just looked it up. It's uh, in, the, in the mid. Mid fourteen hundreds is uh, oh, okay. Vlad the Impaler, so we're a couple of hundred years off. <laughs> well, not no, that far. We're only two hundred years off. No. Well, yeah. So uh, no, he must have been there though, resting and waiting. Resting, yeah, yeah, that's what he was doing. Anyway, where where were we? Um, why are we talking oh. about Dracula? Oh yeah, zombies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect all, link. It all makes sense. <laughs> we are a serious podcast, and we've been invited yes. to talk at a serious event. Yes. Um, <laughs> The connection <gasps> between the ball guards. <laughs> Maybe that could be about Vlad the Impaler. Nothing to do with our podcast. <laughs> no, yeah. Crossings. You use the cross <gasps> to get rid yeah. of vampires. Vlad the Impaler. <laughs> yeah. Any, <laughs> any questions? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, anyway. Uh, so, yeah. Did he die? Yeah, yeah, he's dead. Oh. He's dead. He monked himself and he died. Did you miss that bit? Yeah, I missed it. I just, I, yeah, it was very sudden. Yeah, okay. Oh, wow, that's very sudden. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Any any idea of what it could have been? <laughs> yes, which I've talked about. I'm guessing you got distracted by something. I have mentioned this. It was ep- epilepsy or oh, cancer. Yes, no, you said, yeah. Yes. No, you say, yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> You were looking down at the time, so I'm guessing you just got a message or no, something. No, no, no. I was, I was, uh, my keyboard's got a stain on it, so I was wondering how to get it out. 
<laughs> so you weren't even distracted by a message. You were distracted by staying on your keyboard. Yeah. Which, <laughs> which sounds more suspicious than it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fine. Right, okay, so... Um, What's that? Two hours? Bloody hell, that went quick. Yeah. I didn't realise we'd been doing that for two hours. Oh, drag for me. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell because you were distracted by your stain. <laughs> no, no that's, that's only for a moment. It's like, oh, there's a... I'll, I'll show you what it is. I'll, I'll show you. Go on, it's, it's not, you know, not too dodgy. It's on the, the F. Stain on the F. You see it? That... Oh, yeah, yeah, it has. Yeah. Is that red wine stain? I, I don't know what it is. It's got a slight pinkish hue to it. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Could be blue. But I was, I was thinking, because I was just like, oh, there's a stain. I just like drew my eyes, just like, oh, there's a stain. <laughs> what could I use to get that out? So do I need to turn off the, the, the keypad before I put a wet wipe on it? Do I need to, what do I need to do? 